Welcome to today's episode of the Baco Sports Report on the Live from Lake Balfour Podcast Network. So much to get to on today's action-packed show. We're talking about the enormous upset that happened in senior leagues on Tuesday morning. It was a tr- absolutely tremendous upset as Glasser's team falls to 0-2. Charlie Buckfar, the opponent, just went off for 27 points. We'll interview him about his incredible performance and what it's like to take down Glasser, the best player in the league, as he falls to 0-2. Plus, we'll talk about all the other Baco sports coming on around here. There's a lot of hockey going on. There's baseball. So much to get to coming up on today's episode of the Baco Sports Report. All right, now I'm joined by Charlie Buckfar, the star, as I mentioned before, of yesterday's performance. Charlie, how are you feeling after your 27-point, just spectacular performance? I'm feeling great. It's always great to take down the best player in camp. Yeah, I mean, that was an absolutely amazing performance. I mean, you were going all over the floor, hitting shots. You pulled up, you know, some deep threes. You had some highly contested layups. You are really being smothered inside. So what was it like to go off on such a big stage with so many people watching? Because obviously, Glaster's always going to draw a crowd. It's great, you know, everyone's going to see Glatzer and watch him. He had like a light 40 points and no, yeah. no one's even commenting about it because, you know, yeah, that's expected. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah, I mean, he got Glatzer in this game, drops 40 points, and it wasn't like one of those 40 points where it's like, heat check, he's going off, like, everyone can't believe it. Like, it's just a casual 40 points. I mean, the final score of this game is 45-43, you guys win. He scores 40 of his team's 43 points, and like, no one even barely comments. Like, it was crazy. And you scored a 27, but that was really a great performance. I mean, definitely... Glasser should not take away from what a crazy day you had. Yeah, completely agree. Um, so I would start off by asking you, you know, what it felt like to go up against a guy like Glasser, because obviously, you know, you weren't guarding him straight up, but to answer back for him, because he's obviously such a tough opponent to play. He comes in, he's the heavy favorite. Like, you know you're a big underdog when you go up against him in any game. So when he comes down, he's dropping points on your team. Like, how do you come back, and what's your mindset against him? How are you responding to him? Well, when you get when you play against Evan, it's very difficult to win, especially in leagues when there's only one like star player on each team. Right. Like it's hard enough in like a tournament when you have like many good players on each team. This is like leagues when there's only one good player on each team. It's very difficult to take down Evan Glasser in leagues. So it was very cool to finally beat him once. Right. So like, how do you see your approach? Like, is it different in a game like this than a regular game where like? Because this game, you know you're going to need a lot of offensive firepower, especially being the star on your team. You know you're going to need everything you got. You're going to have to give it your all to even have a shot to beat him. And you right, you played out of your mind, and this team, you guys barely won. You won by two points. So, like, what's the mindset knowing that you have to play your absolute best just to even make it a competition? Yeah, if we played another game, we would not have been able to even come that close. We had to play our hearts out when Evan wasn't trying his complete hardest. We had to keep going and going and going and get everyone involved in the offense and we finally got it done and even though it was by two, it was still very close and we got the game. Right, so yeah, so as you mentioned, two-point game, it was a super close game down the stretch, tied up with 15 seconds to go before Avi gets fouled, so it was really a, you know, barn burner. It was an absolutely tremendous game out there, so how do you think that you guys did? Obviously, as you mentioned, Gladys scored 40 points, but you really forced the rest of the team to try to get their shots in, and they really struggled. The role players on Glasser's team really had a difficult game, and you know that they'll you know, get better. You know that those shots will eventually fall, but I assume that was obviously your game plan defensively. So go more into detail to how you try to stop Glasser in leagues. So obviously when you have Glasser, you're not going to have as many other good players. So basically our, we had to have two people on Glasser the whole time and let the other people shoot. 
and luckily the other people did not make most of their shots, which helped us tremendously, but we know that in the future they will make their shots, so we have to find a better way to also guard their role players while also stopping Right, and another interesting strategy that I thought you used in the game was fouling him intentionally every time he got into transition yeah. because Glasser is so long and athletic that he's just lethal when he gets in transition. He's really just flat out unstoppable, especially against a team like you who doesn't really have any bigs. Yeah. So you think that strategy worked, right? Like, yeah. I think that's definitely something. If Glatzer, when Glatzer got the rebound and he just started running down the court and it was like, let's say, like a 3v2, he's unstoppable there. He'll just make one crossover and get to the basket. So our strategy was to just foul so that he couldn't get easy two buck, easy two points. And then, obviously, because we kept fouling, we got, they got into the bonus. Um, so he was able to shoot more and more free throws. But with that strategy, we just fouled their role players, making them shoot right. free throws instead of Evan. Right, it definitely worked to yeah. perfection. And I would also, I want to talk about your performance, though, too, because the 27 points, those were a hard-earned 27. Um, the first half, you had Gabe Steiner face-guarding you the entire time. And then the second half, they switch Glatzer onto you, and he's kind of playing off ball, but, like, he's so long, and his strides are just, you know, he gets there. So he's kind of playing off of you in help defense almost, and then he, the second you get the ball, he swarms you and recovers you. So what's the adjustment like when you're getting face guard in the first half and dropping all those points, and they put a guy like Glatzer on you? He's not necessarily staying on you the whole time, but he recovers you in a heartbeat. Yeah, so in the first half, I had to take advantage of my, the defender on me. Who is Gabe? Who's really who's really a good defender, but I had to take advantage of it. I had like twenty in the first half, and then in the second half, Evan switched on to me, and I had seven in the second half because he's just so long, and I have to make crisp passes to make sure he can't steal them. But that when Evan switched to me, that made my second best player on my team open more. So then right, he took Avi, he right. took over. He had like. Right, Avi had 15, had like and 15. almost all of those were in the second half. Yeah, so that was very good. It was, we just had to take advantage of the player that was at right, that because was obviously, not Right, Glatzer, you know Glatzer's team was going to be so top-heavy, right? And that showed again in this game. And I would also ask, what does this do for your confidence as a team? Because, right, your first game of the season, which was last week, you guys scored 20 points as a team. Like, not just you as a team. Um, and you... You scored 27 alone in this game. Your team scores 45 against the best team in the league or presumed best team in the league. So what, how does this change your mindset this season? Because after last game, it felt like, you know, this team might struggle, and now you beat Glasser, and it's all of a sudden like it's a whole new ball game, right? Yeah, this game definitely boosts our confidence because in the first game, we played a much weaker team, and we somehow still lost. We couldn't get our offense going. Was, right, I mean, you guys only scored four points yeah, in the entire half. Yeah, it was a horrible game, but in this game... We moved the ball, we played our hearts out, and we just played a lot better in the second game, and it really is going to help us in the future. All right, definitely, that's great to hear. And I would also ask, like, how do you think that if you were to play Glatzer again, do you think you would have you would approach it in a similar way? Because, like, obviously it's successful, but this kind of defense where you're just trying to foul him, basically force the other players to make shots. I mean, you have to assume that Glatzer and his team are going to adjust, right? So how do you think that you guys could adjust and potentially – well, like, what other things do you think you guys could do to be effective? Or I actually think we had a great strategy coming into the game. We played, obviously we couldn't play man because Evan would just Destroy, beat his right. defender right away. So we played a zone, but it wasn't really a zone. We had, like, two It was kind of like a 3-2 zone, yeah. but, like, they were also just putting all the focus yeah. on glass. We had, like, two people always on Evan. 
whenever he had the ball, like three people swarmed him. Whenever he passed the ball away, we made sure he didn't get the ball back. And we just put all the attention on him and made the role players shoot. And luckily they did not shoot well. Right. Yeah, so that definitely that got, definitely helped for the We got lucky. Like if the role players hit one more three, then we would have lost. Like. Right, a hundred percent. It was definitely it was definitely a close game down the stretch, but I think it worked out really well because Greg Glasser is a tough guy to beat. He's so intimidating to go up against. He'd be so much bigger and more athletic than everyone else, and he shoots over people. And that's another brings me to another question I have, which is like, what's it like when you guys are just swarming him? I mean, triple team. Like there were points last game where he was being just triple team, and it was like, how can this guy get a shot up and he just shoots over everyone? He just like makes it. Like, does that is that a blow to your confidence? Like, how do you possibly respond to that? Like he's literally Kevin Durant. Like if you're if you put yeah. three people on him, he will just pull up and he's so tall he'll just shoot right over you he's so yes, long he's so, yeah. he will pull up from five feet behind a three-point line and swish it so we have to like literally put our hands in his face so like he right. can't see but then when you put your hands in his face and you do everything you possibly can as a team to get him and he still makes it like that's so impressive to be able to respond yeah. from that right that yeah. takes a lot of yeah, heart. i can't even like when he hits a three in someone's face and and the defender's hands are like right up in him, and he hits a three. I can't even yell. I can't even be like, "What are you doing? Like, play better defense." Because yeah. I know it's just Evan is ridiculous. Right, but I mean, to your credit, though, you did a great job responding to all those made shots with yeah. your own shots, where people would yeah. be smothering you, and like you go inside for like a floater, and there'd just be people collapsing on you, and you just make it, and it'd be like, "Oh man, like." How does he make that shot? Like you did, you had a lot of those moments too. I mean, you had heat check moments where you were just like feeling it. So that was definitely impressive, also. Yeah, and like in the end, Evan was just gassed at the end of the game. Yeah. He just he couldn't do everything himself. He was running up and down the floor, hitting threes, hitting layups, doing everything, and then eventually, it was like one v one him versus like. All it was five basically us. him versus the whole team because the rest of Glasser's team is just standing out there on the perimeter, just waiting for the ball and like. It's tough because obviously Glasser, he's an unselfish player, and then like yeah. he really wants to pass. But at the same time, those guys just everyone on the team was just struggling hard, yeah. and like you know that they'll get better, but like they're just struggling. Yeah. Completely. All right, and yeah, my next question that I would say for you is like, you fell in this draft. You were the twelfth pick, which is obviously way, way, way lower than probably most people expected you to pick, certainly, and much lower than you deserve. So. How do you feel, like, do you feel like this was kind of, like, solidified your status as a top five player in this league? And, like, do you feel like you have to prove something to people that you didn't feel before because you're just flat out disrespected with your pick when everyone, if you ask any camper, they would say you're easily one of the best players in this league. To go that low, like, and obviously 12 isn't, like, is that low, but to be a second rounder in a league where you're clearly one of the top players, like, what do you think this game does to solidify your status at the top. Yeah, you know, when I was picked 12, I was very confused, and I had no idea why. You know, everyone was disrespecting me, and then I come down, and I have 27 points in leagues. It's just, it feels very good, because I just showed everyone that I definitely do not deserve to be an early second rounder and deserve to be top five in this league, right. so... And I definitely think height also plays a factor into yeah. not even, not even how good you are, but your reputation, too, yeah. like... That definitely can be tough, but I think it's cool to see, like, you've showed people you're higher. And yeah. now the talk on camp is, oh, you see Chuck's performance. Like, that's cool. Yeah, it's very cool going really late and then showing everyone that I'm better than most of the people that went above me. Right, of course. And, like, obviously it's interesting dynamic on your team, too, right? Because you have Albi now, who's the first round pick, and you have you. And, like, that you guys both played great in that game. As I mentioned before, he had 15, you have 27. So, like, 
it's a cool dynamic. And then I thought you also got contributions for other people on your team as well. Yeah. So basically, it was, like it was definitely not just me on my team when in the first half it was mostly me. Um, yeah. Yeah. But then did, in yeah. the second half when Evan switched on to me, I knew that I couldn't continue my performance in the first half as I did. Right, and as Chuck said, he's kind of like, Evans kind of like KD on offense. Yeah. He also has a little bit of a Giannis like quality on defense, but he's just like everywhere on the court. Yeah. And in the first half, that was kind of true when Gabe was guarding you, Chuck. Glasser was kind of just everywhere else. And once Glasser switched on to you, you kind of dragged him out beyond yeah. the three-point line, and it kind of let everyone else get going, and your team had stepped up. Yeah, so basically on offense in the second half when Evan was on me, I literally stood on the half-court line. Right. And I was like, I said to Avi, I was like, you have to just drive by your defender, go in and get fouled or hit a layup or do something. And he did that. He finally got into it, and he kept scoring, and it was great because Evan was just not involved in defense. And it also Ethan Levine was setting screens for everyone, getting everyone open, and he himself had a three, which was Yeah, that boring. three was huge. Yeah. 100%. All right, Chuck, thank you so much for coming on the Bacon Sports Report. We appreciate You're very it. You're welcome. All right, and... I'm now joined by Ethan Lairfeld. So, Lairfeld, that was an absolutely terrific game. So what's your initial reactions to that? Well, you know, it was definitely unexpected what uh, Rabbi Sheffman's team did. Um, it was, they scored 19 points in their first game, and they came back, and they scored, how many, how many was it, 46 this game? They had 45. Yeah, so um, it was just a very unexpected upset. But, you know, uh, you know this team, uh, Rabbi Sheffman's team, is very talented. They have, you know, Ethan Levine, Avi Pella, Chuck Bukvar, and I think they, you know, they'll be a force to be reckoned with. Down yeah, the road. that was definitely a stutter. I think that on paper, this looked like a great team because to get Chuck to fall that far, um, I mean, it looked on paper like this was one of the most lethal teams in the league. Obviously, Glasser is a tier above, and everyone respects him on a different level, but for kind of the rest of the pack, this looked like one of the elite teams, and then they come in their first game and absolutely dud that game. I think we talked about it on one of our earlier podcasts when we broke down leagues. The game was that was a rough game they had in the first game. They yeah, scored 20 rough. points, a slugfest, and it was like, well, this team can't really score. Then, like, we know they're not good defensively. They don't have a lot of size, especially with a guy like Chuck and Avi. Or this guards. is really a rebound performance for them. Yes, yeah, a big rebound performance. So it's really huge, I mean, for the confidence of this team. And just to see, like, that they can really just do it. They can go out there and flat-out play. And I think the intensity level, and I think Chuck mentioned this, the intensity level and kind of like the heart that the teams play with against Glasser it's just unmatched. It's kind of like in the NBA when, like, the Warriors on a night-to-night basis, like, they might not be giving their, not their most effort, but they might not be the most locked in. Every, but you know the team going against the Warriors is going to be the most locked in they all are season because they're the defending champs. they got to take them down. It's kind of like that with Glasser, too. It's kind of like every definitely, team definitely. every team is so into it, so engaged. The crowd is into it. The crowd is cheering on whoever Glasser's playing. Just for the sake of it, because you know it's going to be an upset. People step up to the challenge. 100%. People stepped up, and I think that's what's led to Glatcher not being 0-2, because this team really, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that this is, like, a disaster. Like, if we had a, you know, panic meter, this is definitely not, like, ridiculously high on the panic meter. I'm not going, alarms are not, like, ringing right now. Like, this is not crazy. But at the same time, is there, there is definitely some cause for concern with an 0-2 start right now definitely. because both games, they came out, they looked flat. The defense, I mean, the defense just flat out has to be better. There's no other way of talking about it. I mean, a guy like Chuck, he is a terrific player. In this game, he was just 
awesome. But at the same time, the effort level... 27 points is a 27 lot. points is a lot in the leagues, yeah. Um, a really tremendous performance. And at the same time, I feel like the defense could have easily been better on Glatzer's team. Glatzer is such a great defender. The rest of the team just flat out has to stay out, stay engaged. There were moments where their defense was good, but for the most part, you know, and credit to Ethan Levine for and Sammy Zaret for giving out good picks. Um, yeah, I think the role, just, players, the role players on Chuck's team really stepped up. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, and I, I think Chuck's team, you know, really came out there with the mindset that they were going to win. I know the coaches were very energetic. Nobody really came out there with a the mindset that uh, they were going to, you know, lose or they're just going to roll over. And I think that confidence, you know, really gave them a, a special edge, especially when they got up a lot early. They were all very excited. Right, and I agree. And I think yeah. another thing, like, I think that Gladstone, not personally, but I think the team itself just kind of came out a little flat early, um, if only because, you know, after they scored 20 points in the first game, it's like, yeah, we're, we're the best team in the league. We're the team to beat. We know we're the best, and we know that this team is not good. And they kind of came out, it was kind of like flat. It was kind of like, yeah, we'll come back. Yeah, like they gave up a few points, and it's like Glazer just gets an easy two. It's like, see, look at that, so easy. Like, why do we even have to try? And it kind of like builds on itself. And I think that definitely that was the fact case in the first half and probably the first part of the second half until Glazer's team really kicked in. Yeah, I also think Rabbi and Sheffin's team, you know, had a really good game plan for, like, fouling Evan every time in transition. Right. That was a good one. Also, right, so, yeah, yeah, that was definitely interesting. And we mentioned before with the interview with Chuck, the 3-2 defense was a very – the 3-2 defense where they basically just flat out ignored the rest of the team yeah, and so, just focused on So what on they did Rapsen. defensively was they had two guys always on them up top, and then if you tried to cut through the middle or go down the paint, they would put three guys on them. And they just hope we swung it out to some of the role players, and um, the role players missed their deep shots. Sort of a gimmicky defense. I was about to say, but, yeah, I think but, it's, it's you know, definitely gimmicky. You need to pulse out something unusual. Yeah, I mean, listen, Glasser's going to see a whole lot of gimmicky defenses played against him in leagues this year, but listen, they're 0 2 right now, and there's nothing else you can say other than the fact that they just flat out Glasser, there's nothing more I you can ask this I think if they want to get out of this hole, then the role players definitely need to start stepping up. I mean, you look at it, Ludgan was 0 for 3. Right, and there's over um, three. Um, who else was, you know, Gabe Steiner didn't take a ton of shots. Right, but I think so. I think I think Gabe actually probably played the best out of the role players. I think defensively he was giving the most effort probably. Um, Gabe's a great defender, yeah. Great defender and just a great athlete on the court. Um, and I think that obviously their role players, the guys, guys like Ludgan and Newman. Newman they're gonna make their court. shots, right? They're they're advertised as shooters, and you know that they're gonna make their shots. So yes. They had a rough game, but I think you know they're going to make their shots. And another possibility is also trades. There's been a lot of rumors going out there. Um, I definitely know that that, Wolf, that uh, Wolfie uh, Glass coach, coach is talking with Evan about trades. Um, yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, I definitely think that there could be some action because when you go in this 0-2 hole with Glatzer, there definitely begins to set in some panic. And I'm not sure if that's all warranted because I think that they can just make shots that you know will fall eventually. And just ramp up the effort on defense. The role players have just got to step up, make your shots, make your threes. Right, so the, I think the question and becomes, is this something that where you know they're going to excel kind of? Like yeah. You would think that this is really honestly the easiest situation of thriving because the defense is so, so focused on Glatzer that the rest of the team really has free reigns. Yeah, and if you, if you give it to your role players, then that will start the rest of the defense to come out on them 
therefore, you know, giving Evan open reign to go up against one or only two guys. Uh, and Evan's so lethal there, he probably can put up much over 40 points, maybe even 50, right, right. you know? Right, I mean, to score, though, 40 out of 43 points, I mean, you can be Michael Jordan, and you should still, you should not score 40 of your team, 43 points. Like, there needs to be someone else on the team who's capable of making they had opportunities. It wasn't as though It wasn't as though Glasser was hogging the ball every time. Like, he was passing a fair amount. He was, he was really trying to dish the ball around. He was just really struggling. And especially in transition, too, when, you know, the team would swarm him in transition. There would be people down the floor, and people were just missing shots over and over. There's really nothing else to say other Definitely. than they were missing shots. So let's see. I think one more game we give Glasser's team before we really hit the panic button and we yeah. really start to say, okay, I, I, a trade yeah. needs to be made. I think for Rabbi and Sheffman, though, you know, I think they're going to see this team down the line. There definitely needs to be a different strategy because right. I they, think were, this, they were – This gimmicky yeah. strategy, as you mentioned before, I think it worked really it works well in this once. game. It's like but, a trick play in the NFL, you know what I mean? It'll work yeah. once, but if you try it again, they'll completely know it's up. Right, so I think that it's really on Glatzer and Wolfie and just the team as a whole, really, to try to go out there and make adjustments and see, well, what else can we do to not just get... Because obviously threes might not be the best solution for these role players, but like if you can utilize the attention that the defense needs to give on Glatzer to get open layups for the role players on the team. Like, that might be a better solution. So let's see if they can go back yeah, to so work and see if Rabbi they can try to make some yeah. adjustments to try to not just get threes, open threes for the role players who may or may not make them, which they did not in this game. But let's see if they can really get layups inside, too, because that's really when things Definitely. Yeah, I, I didn't think Newman and uh, it drove enough, and I thought Gabe had opportunities to go up towards the middle. But, uh, you know, looked back to Glatzer sort of as here, just take it, you you can do whatever with it. Gabe's got it, I guess... Get better at you know, taking it himself and saying, oh, I do have an open hole, even though it might be a bit contested, I'm just going to put it up there. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think that definitely I think a lot of teams now, it's kind of when Glasser's 0-2 now, it kind of almost messes up how people are thinking of the league because now all of a sudden you know there's going to be all this like jockeying for position. Like Evan's still Evan. It's not like he played bad. He's still super dangerous. Right, of course, right. You know he's still the most dangerous player in the league, and you know come playoff time, which is still a few weeks down the road, you know whoever he's going up against, that is going to be a team that is going to be really scared and intimidated to play him. And I think that now all of a sudden what happened in the league because, like, you have Glatzer now, and he's 0-2, so he's probably not going to get the number one seed at this point, which means the number eight seed is not going to be playing Glatzer, which means that some things can get really interesting with the standings, which we can definitely touch on more over the coming weeks as we start to see things shake out more. But that's just a thought for down the line of how some of the ripple effects kind of of this. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then my last question of the day for you, Larfeld, that I think we should discuss is, I assume that we all still think that Glass is the favorite, right? Well, you know... Yeah, I guess he is, but, you know, it seems like teams are finally coming up with effective strategies, not necessarily to stop Glatzer, but to really more or less hold him in check just enough to the point where they can scrape by a victory. I think that's accurate. And uh, maybe a bit of luck into it also, because I know that Rabbi and Sheffman's team didn't play perfect yesterday. They, right, they allowed a lot of deep shots. That yes, and I would say the yes, the they did allow a lot of deep shots. But I would, and I think what bodes really well for Gladstone's team is that they have clearly not played their best post. I mean, obviously, Gladstone's scoring 40 points. That's, that's as good as you're going to get. I mean, that's just a sensational. But the rest of the team has not played that well. And the two teams they've played, Rab's team, who where, had, where GP hits those four threes, and then this team where Chuck explodes for 27. 
those are performances. Those are unique performances. I mean, this is not going to happen every time. So I think if they lose a third game, I think we'll be back here saying, you know, okay, now let's reassess. But I think for now, I think we can still kind of mellow off and then still say I think by playoff time, Evan, you know, is just going to get in playoff mode. Right, and let's see if Wolfie can make any adjustments, make any trades, something, because we know that Glasser is the best player in this league. And, you know, he's going to be a sensational. But let's see what happens for the rest of the Yeah, team. I think Glasser also holds a lot of trades because, uh, you know, it's his team. And, uh, you know, may, I think he'll find a couple players maybe he can play with well. Maybe we'll, we'll feel pull the trigger. We'll see. Yeah, I would say that's accurate. So I think uh, we'll stay tuned for that one. And also, um, before we go, I just also wanted to hit on some hockey as well because there's been a lot of that. Um, Luke Wonder here is in his first summer at camp. Uh, Wonder has been – he's a terrific hockey player. He's just 12 years old. He played in the 14s and under tournament at Echo Lake last week where um, they Baco just lost a heartbreaking overtime loss. So uh, we should touch on that for a minute. It was a t- really tough, hard-fought game. Um, Brant in the finals of this tournament, Brant scores a goal to send it to overtime with under a minute left. Um, really tough, tough way to get into overtime. Then Baco is up in the shootout with a chance to win. Um, they missed that one. They missed the shot for the win. Brand comes back and wins. Just a heartbreaker. Like you've got to, you've got to close out. You got to close out a game. You can't right. You can't. You cannot. You can't be winning. They have actually pulled their goalie. So it's really tough to see you lose a game when the other team pulls their goalie. Um, so a heartbreaker. But I think on the bright side of it, today um, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. Today was the Twelves hockey tournament. And Luke played two years up on the fourteens right, tournament. So Luke is playing tw- two years up on the fourteens tournament where he's one of the best players. He comes here to the Twelves game. Um, this tournament here, and he was just flat-out dominant. He scores five goals in route to Baco's 5-3 championship clipping victory. So I think even though that's a huge disappointment in the 14s hockey game, I think it's great to see them win the 12s one. Yeah, I think, you know, Baco hockey does have a uh, bright future, and I think this... Uh, yeah, you have the new this, rink in yeah, town. Yeah, yeah. Um, this this Luke, uh, Luke Wonder is definitely only going to get better. Yeah, it brings some swagger <laughs> to the Baco hockey program, something they missed for a while. Now you have him, you have the new rink, so... I think the future is looking up for Cody kind of filled the gap that, you know, Dylan Cronegold sort of, I mean, is going to leave now that he's pretty much done with Baker Hockey in his later year. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, that's pretty cool. All right. Just wanted to give a big shout-out to everyone. Thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast. Uh, You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, a lot of different places. Thank you guys so much for listening to Baker Sports Report. Thanks to our guests, Ethan Lairfeld, Chuck Buckfar. We will see you sometime next week. I'm your host, Maddie Wasserman. Thank you guys for listening.